This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Parting meant, I mean, there would be no sorrow whatsoever. You know, we sorrow because of what we think we've lost, but the whole thing is there in our future, aren't they? They're in our future. I kind of say it this way, you know, they're on vacation. They just left before me. I'm going to meet up one day, but I'm not going early and I'm not going sick. Are you? No. Amen. We're going to complete our course because only in this lifetime do we have the ability to do for God. When we depart, then that ability to do what we can do here, and there's many, 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 many going to hell that have no idea that hell and how bad it is. You know, as bad as life is here, it's no comparison sometimes. And some people, they, they say, well, you don't know how bad my life is. You don't know how bad. I prayed for somebody not too long ago, and they told me, you just don't get it. You don't know. You don't know. And, you know, all I can say is, thank God I don't know. But if it's too much for Jesus, we're all in trouble. It's not too much. He died, he bought, he paid for, and with his stripes, we're free. We have been set free. But it's that revelation knowledge of knowing what you have in Christ. And just like him said, you don't have to wait till you get to the other side. To find out. And you know, truthfully, what happens is when we depart our bodies, we step out. The shell remains. I always think of it as a suit coat. Just think, if you take your suit coat out and you put it down and you tell the suit coat, come on, I want you to come with me, it does not do anything without you, the real you. We're our spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind or will and emotions. And we live in a house. We live in an earth suit. In our earth suit, literally what we do, and that's why we have the ability when we depart to decide. You know, the enemy is trying to kick us out of our earth suit early. And the word of God says, by your words, you're justified. By your words, you're condemned. And you can have what you say. You know, Charles Capp said it this way. God told him that he said, I told my people they can have what they say, but they keep saying what they have. And so, and what that, that's a product of, when you look at that, it's a product of you are looking at what your eyes see. And I taught on vision for a little while. And vision is seeing farther than your eyes can see. Now, it kind of doesn't make sense when you think about the wording of it, but when you have vision, you see farther you see what others do not see you see something that in this present here now right now it's not visible but you have it you can see it you grabbed a hold of it now i want you to just think about um an outfit you know for the ladies for a man i think think about a project you know that you want to do and um Think about, the ladies, think about how you, this outfit you saw while you were shopping. Think about how you're going to look in that outfit or your hair being done a certain way. Now, is it done right now today? No, but in your mind's eye, most of us have a picture of something that they've seen. I think, oh, I'd really like to get that. That looked good on me or that hairstyle would be nice or, you know, men projects, you know, we go on through and say, my sister and I are doing a floor and we picked out the flooring, and we're looking. We can already see what it's going to, that's going to look good. This goes with this, and that color goes with this, and this will all come together. You can see something nobody else can see at that moment. Now, somebody else coming along and saying, no, that's not going to work. No, that won't look good. No, but inside, you've already got that vision of what that's going to look like. And it doesn't matter how many naysayers are there. You already know the path. You already know how you're going to do what you're going to do. And you've seen it done. Well, God says, my people perish uh, for a lack of knowledge, right? They do that. So what we don't know, we can't implement. And he said, where there's no vision, the people perish. So if we can take it and pull that where healing is concerned, if you can't see yourself well, and all you can do is look at the problem and the situation of where you are now 
and you keep telling yourself there's no way out, this is the way it's going to be, the doctor said this, and the doctor said this, and you know aunt so-and-so, and uncle so-and-so, they've dealt with this, and you know, the, you know, somebody came and prayed for them, and they didn't get healed. Well, first of all, how do you know they didn't? Number one, well, I didn't see it. So what you're telling me then is only if your eyes can see do you believe? Well, Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and still believe. You know, so you have to take that same thing. So go back to your outfit or your hair or your project. Your finished item that you have up here, that vision, the more you meditate on it and you tweak it, right? When you're working a project, you think, okay, you know what? I think that'll be good, but it'll be a little better if I just move this over here and do this. See, and you're thinking about it. And you're thinking about it. You know, the ladies with the outfit, you're thinking about, I wonder when it's coming on sale. I'm going to watch the paper and I'm going to check the ads and see. And when it comes on sale, that's when I'm going to pounce, right? That's what we do, isn't it? It's good, it's wonderful, but when it's on sale, it's just woo, stupendous. So you have a plan and you work towards it. And every day you're thinking about that and you're meditating it. And what happens? It gets stronger, it gets stronger, and it gets stronger. And all of a sudden, there's something that you know that you know that you know this is how it's going to be, and that's what you go for. Well, the same is with healing. You take the word of God. Now, God's not a man that he should lie, right? That's what the scripture says. And he said, have I not said it, and shall I not do it? Well, how come it takes so long? You have a question, you never ever ask you, well, how come it's taken so long? Well, I'd like to know the answer to that some days too. But you know what Kenneth Hagin says? I think this is the best one. He said, if you're prepared to stand forever, it won't take so long. What does that tell you? It says that you've made a quality decision, and inside of that decision, it doesn't matter about the rain, the hail, the sleet, the snow. Meaning it doesn't matter about what circumstance come your way. Who says you cannot? What authority says that you will never? All of those are outside influences that you will not allow to penetrate you where your faith is concerned. You're going to stand because you know your God. You know your God is faithful, and you will have what you say. I used to say this. I said, I don't care if I have to crawl over the finish line. I'm getting over it. But you know what? I don't want to crawl over any finish line. I'm going in victory. That means I'm going, standing up, running through, I'm getting it, and I'm not going to be denied. And, you know, God said, he talks about the, you know, 2017, Jerry Savelle this, he said, the faithful shall flourish, and it will be like days of heaven on earth. Well, I'm faithful. I'm flourishing. And it's like days of heaven on earth. And you see those, and all of a sudden you see little things happen in your life. You think, ooh, wow, that's a blessing. Ooh, you know. Now, sometimes I miss those opportunities, so you got to be looking for them. And sometimes that you go by and you think, well, that's not really for me. And then after you get past the opportunity, you think, I missed what God put in my place for a blessing. But do you remember in Deuteronomy how it says that if you'll hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, it says all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you. Now, he talks about being blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed coming in, blessed going out, and whatever you set your hands to will prosper. Now, think about these blessings, which includes healing, right? Healing, well, for us, it's a provision. It's been paid for, already paid for. We just have to get in there and partake. But think about the blessings of the Lord. It says it will basically stalk you. It's going to come up upon you and it's going to grab a hold of you and never let you go. That's what the blessing was designed to do. Now, I heard this the other day. I thought it was wonderful. The gentleman was talking about how when, when Adam sinned, the curse came in. And the curse touched everything. He said, even all the planets. I never thought about that. But he said it touched everything. He said, but when God sent his son, that redemption 
went from the deepest parts of hell up and through all the planets, and there's nothing, nothing whatsoever that the blessing cannot overpower from the things of the enemy. That's kind of encouraging, isn't it? Nothing. When somebody says cancer, you have stage four, and there's nothing more we can do for you, we can say, but God. We've got, in our church, we have people who have been diagnosed that are today free of cancer. Now, somebody will say, well, did they go through treatment? Some did, some didn't. What difference does it make? You go the path that you have peace in, wherever God's leading you. doesn't make any difference. If it's surgery, believe God through the surgery. Believe him for the outcome that you want. If it's, if it's just, you're going to, not just, but if you're going to believe God by faith, see, you have to be convinced in your heart how you're going to walk it out. And how you do that is you spend time with God. I heard Gloria Copeland say this this morning. She said the answer here is getting full of the word of God, separating yourself from all the noise of the world, getting alone with God until you get the answer. And she said, many people don't want to be sick, but they don't want to do what it takes to receive from God. And see, for, for those that have been diagnosed with life and death issues, it takes something big, meaning separation, a change in your life. If everything you're doing, you know, we're a product of all the decisions we've made, and some of them good, some of them not so good. But if, if, if we're in a position we need something that we didn't have before, then we have to be willing to do something we weren't before. And so that's sometimes just getting alone with God and separating yourself. Turn off the noise. Turn off the TV. Turn off everything else. Well, I have a family. Yes, you do. But I'll tell you what, God will honor your time when you put him first. If you go through your whole day and at the end of the day you decide, well, I have to spend a little time with God before I go to bed. If that's where you're starting, start there. Nothing wrong with that. God will honor that. But God says, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these other things will be added unto you. So seeking first him, he does not take second place in anything. He has to be first. So this is what, um, I'm going to read this. Um, this came from the body Bodily Healing and Atonement by um, Dr. T.J. McCrossan, I believe his name is. He said, quote, all saints should expect God to heal sickness today because all sickness is a result of Satan's work. When he introduced sin into the world and Christ was manifest to destroy Satan's work. Think about that. All, all of it, all sickness, that was the end quote, all sickness, all sickness. Now, does that mean that you've done something bad because sickness is in your body. No, it means sin's in the world. It's the bottom line. Sin is in the world. And Because you have to go back to the garden. Remember in the garden when Adam sinned, before Adam sinned, was there any sickness in the world? None. So sickness came in by sin, via sin, is how it came in. Let's go look at a couple of those scriptures. Let's look at, um, let's start in Luke well, let's start in Luke 12. Let me see. I think it's 32 where I want to go. I'm probably going to read a little bit more of this, but let's do 1232 because I want you to see God's heart in this. He said, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So he said that it's his good pleasure. What does that mean? That he's not withholding it from you. He, you know, you don't have to earn it. Isn't that a hard thing? Don't you want to earn stuff? I mean, don't you want to pray enough? Don't you want to confess enough? Don't you want to, I mean, I'm an I'm a earner. I mean, in, in this generation, we learned that hard work is how you got something, wasn't it? That's how, I mean, that's, if you didn't earn it, you didn't get it. And, you know, the quote would be, well, you know, the Bible says, if you don't work, you don't eat. Well, it does say that, but, you know, 
we can't earn anything. Now, in the Old Testament, God said, if you, then I. If you will do these things, then I will do these things for you. But what does the New Testament said? Jesus. So what's our obligation? To believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, and it should be saved. That's our obligation. And it says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, if you do those things, you have fulfilled the Old Testament as well, haven't you? But we have a much better, much more sure covenant because we believe not that we can do it, but that Jesus did it. So the scripture says that God put on Jesus the iniquity of us all. That means he put on every sin, every sickness, every disease. And so our, our part here is to believe that Jesus did it. We don't have to, but we believe that he did. And then in that, then we act out our faith. Correct? Everybody with me? So we can see that it's, God's, it's, it's God the Father's heart to show, to give. It's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. So then how would he withhold anything from us? See, do you ever get into where you have to work to earn it? Do you ever think like that? So if you did something wrong in the last few days and you ask God to forgive you, do you ever have that come back to you and say, you did this wrong? You don't deserve anything? Isn't that earning it? You're trying to earn something? Then you're going to work harder. Then you're going to confess again. You're going to do it again. And you're, all you're trying to do is position yourself to receive from God. Well, what does faith say? Faith, the word says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? So when we mess up, that's what we do, and then what we have to step into forgiveness, and we, we have to receive it by faith, right? The enemy comes and says, Nay, 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 you don't have it. I know what you did. And if I know, everybody else knows. They're going to put it on Facebook. They'll know. And you're supposed to be a Christian and you did it wrong, right? Enemy comes however he can come. But what do you say? What's your response? Do you go back and ask for forgiveness again? No, we shouldn't, but, I like that, but, no, we should not. What we should do then is take are standing in the word of God. And then we take the sword of the spirit and we just kind of dig it in and poke it. And then if he doesn't leave, just really give it to him, right? So we take the word of God saying, we take the word of God saying. So what we know, we've already been forgiven, right? So we tell the devil to get out in the name of Jesus. I've been forgiven. You will not lord that over me any longer. I'm, you have a problem with it? Go talk to Jesus. I'm not, that's it. And then I take another step, take the blood of Jesus, and I put it up against that memory. And I tell that memory, you will not come back unless I call for you, and I ain't calling for you. Now get out in the name of Jesus. You know, you seal it up, and you stand against it. Well, what does that have to do with healing? You do the same thing with healing. You go before God, you receive your healing based on the Scripture because God said, it's my delight to give you it. It's not a problem. I'm not withholding anything from it. If you've missed it, it's okay. Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it. Jesus paid it. Now, if you've got sin in your life, get the sin out. Confess it. Get away from it. Leave it go. You know, if you've got something that's habitual in your life, start taking communion. You may not be... You're free the moment you pray and you believe that you receive it. But the old man may need a little convincing along the way, may take a little time. I'm going to show you that in Scripture. But if you will stand and you will continue to confess and you will tell your body and you will do those things, you will see the freedom in your life. But the same way that you receive that forgiveness is the same way that you receive the healing. And once you take it, you know, Hebrews uh, three and four talks about that we labor to enter in. We labor to enter in. How do you enter in? Well, have you been in a position where you would like to?
to have it, but you know that you don't really have it because there's a lot of doubt and unbelief running all around and you just, you just know that you're not quite there yet. Well, how do you get there? It's the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And you keep putting it in. You keep putting it in. You keep putting it in. All of a sudden, something anchors in you. And you know when it anchors in you, you know that you know that you know that you have it. And all of a sudden, nothing has changed. The storms come, bad news comes, this happens, that happens. Nothing has necessarily changed on the outside, but on the inside that you know that you're hooked up. And this is something, just like the vision, this is something that you have. And it is coming to pass. So just get out of my way. This, and you actually act like it, too. It's an amazing thing when it sinks down and hooks in. It's always God's. It's always God's pleasure. Think about it this way. He put all of this stuff on Jesus. Jesus paid a horrendous price, did he not? Why would he put sickness and disease on Jesus and then tell you not to use it or tell you you could only use it? You could only access a uh, uh, healing, excuse me. You can only access healing if you were good enough. You can only access healing on certain days. You can only get healed on a Sunday. I mean, why would he do that? Why would he say you could only get healed if you're young? But yet Jesus ministered to people of diseases with long continuance in the Bible. Look at the man at the pool of Bethesda didn't he? Look at the woman with the issue of blood. It said she had spent all she had. She was nothing better. She grew worse. So she's penniless. She's still sick. And in that time, she still couldn't go out and touch anything. Yet she was healed. And what did Jesus say to her? Your faith made you whole. Your faith made you whole. And, you know, think about him in the crowd. When, when she came up and she touched him, and he said, who touched me? Isn't that interesting? Who touched me? And the disciples said, what are you, what are you, what are you, what's the problem here? Everybody touched you. What do you mean, who touched you? So there was a whole crowd of people, and I'm going to show you in the scriptures where it says that they received him, they were ready for him. They were in anticipation of him coming. Yet, it doesn't talk about the whole crowd of people getting healed there. It talks about Jairus' daughter in the womb with the issue of blood. We're going to go there in just a minute. So let's look at Hebrews 2 and 4. Let's see, let's see. Let's skip that one. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. I'll come back to that. I just want to show you, before we get into that, I want to show you the, the heart of God. Because sometimes if you can just see that God, all, God wants you to have it more than you want to have it. As much as we're in pain and sometimes uh, things are not going right, God's desire is for us to be so full of life and to receive everything that Jesus paid for at the cross. So he said in Jeremiah 20, let's see, I want to go to 29, 11. It says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Now, that expected end means a hope in a future. You want a hope in a future? If you were 105 today, you want a hope in a future? Yeah. I want a hope in a future until my course is done, and then I still want the hope in the future. I just want it in the next phase. You know, a lot of us have been studying... Um, um, the um, John Bevere's Driven by Eternity. And uh, I don't know if you have listened to Athabel or not, the, the recording of John Bevere's work there and the judgment of the five people. It makes you think about, if you haven't and you want the, the link, just get, get with me after this and I'll send you the link. I'll text you uh, the link. It is a wonderful thing, but... It'll make your toes curl in some areas. And they did a, a radio, remember the old-timey radio broadcast? They did a wonderful production, and they had five, uh, five different personalities and how they lived their life, and then when the judgment came, how they responded and what they did. And some of the things that you kind of take for granted, you start to think about again. But one of the most important things is there, um, it says in the scriptures that many are chosen uh, but few, or many are, many are called, but few are chosen. If you study that out a little bit, it says it basically means that many are called, but few choose. 
Very few choose. Why? Because the way looks hard. But this goes through a lot of the little things that, you know, it talks about once saved, always saved, and it talks about people who call me Lord, Lord, but yet do not the things that I say. And, you know, he talks. I mean, it's just a wonderful segment. And I said all that to say there's a lot of things that we don't know because if we don't study the scriptures, we don't know God's way. But when you do it God's way, you get God's results. He never withholds anything from you. He's a just God. He never withholds anything good. But we have to position ourselves to cooperate with him. And sometimes, sometimes it seems like we position ourselves to cooperate with him and nothing happens. So what do you do? We're going to talk about that too. So let's look. Jeremiah 11, we did that one twelve. He said, then call, shall you call upon me, and we shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. This is God talking. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart, and I will be found of you, said the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Now, I don't know what has got you captive today, but God said he will turn away your captivity. Flip over another chapter there and look at um, 30 in verse 17. God said this, For I will restore health unto you, and I will heal you of your wounds, said the Lord. Now, when you think of wounds, sometimes you think about gaping wounds or whatever, but just think about, you have any emotional wounds? you have any hurts? you have any, you know, losses? Do you have any... Uh, people that have done you wrong, first of all, forgive. Act of your will, just forgive. Just release. Father, I just release forgiveness. I release forgiveness to everybody and anybody that's ever hurt me or harmed me. I refuse to hold it. Unforgiveness costs you. Unforgiveness can cost you your health. So it's always good just to let it go. Just don't hold it. It's not worth it. Yeah, but you don't know what they did to me. Well, you know, unforgiveness is like taking poison and watching for the other person to die. The only one that is affected is you. And every day that misery in you just eats away and eats away. I always picture it this way. It's like, um, it's like if you have this five-acre patch, beautiful land out there, and you have unforgiveness, <clears throat> deep down in the middle of that patch, there's an area, that snake pit area, ridden with rodents and whatever else. But now you have all this other patch of land that looks beautifully green and lovely and you love to camp on it. But pretty soon that little tiny area gets another little tiny area. And it gets bigger and bigger and pretty soon it has egress and ingress. And so now it has more of you. But you still have a couple acres so you can ignore that still, right? But what happens pretty soon it gets more friends and more is corrupted and more is corrupted until you're living in this little, little tiny piece of that land and then you're pushed out because it will take over everything. But it started with one little tiny nothing that you didn't want to do anything with. See, and it grows and it infects. And <clears throat> I've never known, I've never known, I've never heard in all my life, anything I've read, anybody I've heard, I've never known where sewage leaves anything good behind. Have you? Never. You know, Dr. Rogers used to say this. He said, the, the sin that used to slink down back alleys now struts down Main Street. Now, that was back in the 70s. And I used to think, I wish you wouldn't say that. <laughs> but it's true, right? Those things that somebody would do in dark and closed and behind, now is out in front. And not only that, it's you have to accept it. It's not even good enough that they are doing it, but not only are they doing it, they want you to accept it. And if you don't, what is happening now, they're coming after you to accept a deviant, uh, something against God. <clears throat> and if you don't, there's been threats and whatever else to do that. So we as Christians have a stand to make. Well, that's the same way with health and healing. You have a stand to make. The enemy has come to steal from you that which God has given you. It's a God-given thing. Health is a God-given thing. He bought, Jesus bought and paid for it. So it's up to us to enforce 
the word of God on our bodies. And God is for us, not against us. If you don't know, I guess I'm coming back to this for a reason, but if you don't know that it is God's will for you to be healed and God is for you, yes, every time, every time, every time, every time, every sickness and every disease is against God. If God was for sickness and disease, then Jesus lied. Because he said, I only do what my father says. I've seen my father say or hear my father say or what he's done, right? And Father God says, this is my beloved son in who I am well pleased, right? Jesus said, I perfectly please the father. So what did he do? He went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil, did he not? Did we read that? 1019, let's go to Luke. <clears throat> nope. Let's go to Luke anyway. That's not what I want, though. That is not the scripture I referred to. Pardon me. <clears throat> 1019 says this. Well, not in that chapter, does it? Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Behold... I give you power or authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Is sickness power of the enemy? Absolutely. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now I want to run over to something I don't have in my notes, but I want to, it has come up several times in my thinking, so let me just go over there. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 59 says, he's talking about the curse here. Then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful and the plagues of thy seed even great plagues and of long continuance and sore sickness and of long continuance. He says that twice. Now, as part of the curse, remember, this is part of the curse that if you do not hearken, so we can see diseases of long continuance are under the curse. Now, go over to Galatians 3.13. Look what it says. It says, uh, let's go to 11. It says, the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. Christ, the anointed one of God, has redeemed us, or has said has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I want you to jump down to 14. That the blessing, why did, he, why did we get redeemed? That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now, 29 says, and if you're Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and your heir according to the promise. So what is he saying? The diseases of long continuance are under the curse. Every sickness, every disease is under the curse. And he said, the just live by faith. Well, what does it mean to live by faith? You believe God. Faith without works is dead, right? You believe the word of God. You operate in the things of God. You declare those things that be not as though they were. So diseases of long continuance, you have to declare just like everything else. Cancer, you declare that God has healed me. I'm already healed. I'm whole. I'm ready to go in Jesus' name. So you take the word of God, and God says he's not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he shall repent. Has he not said it, and shall he not do it? Well, he said in the scriptures in Jeremiah, he said, I restore health and heal you of your wounds. So if he restores health to you, you're in a position that even though things don't look like they're changing, you just keep doing the word, and you keep doing the word, and you keep doing the word, until your circumstances line up with the truth. Now, let's go over to, um, I want to go over to Luke uh, 8, and we're going to get into the parable over here, the account. All right, before I do that, let me go one more place. Let's go to Luke tw uh, 4, excuse me, Hebrews 4. I'm going to read this one thing because it'll be in light of the scripture we're talking about. 
in Hebrews 4 and 12. I'm going to read this and I'll read it in Amplified. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And I always say this, you know, a lot of times you see people say, well, praise the Lord, I'm healed. Praise the Lord, I'm healed. But there's nothing happening in their life because there's no word attached to those things. You can say things, but if you're not attached, if you're, if you're not attached to the word of God, and you don't have the word of God working in you, then the word of God is what produces. Now listen to this in the Amplified. It says, for the word of God speaks, uh, for the word of God, that, for the word that God speaks, excuse me, is alive, full of power, making it active, operative, energized, and effective. And this is um, the sign thing. It says, no word of God is without power to produce results. So every time I would say this way, if it's the in the word of God, if I'm using the in the word of God, it is not without power to produce results. You can expect results to appear in your life. The word of God is sharp, powerful, and no word of God is void of power. It always is powerful throughout all the ages. Let's go over there to um, Luke 8, and we're going to do the account of Jairus, and we're going to start in verse 40, and I want to show you a couple things about this. Luke 8 and verse 40, it says, And came to pass, and when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Remember, I alluded to this earlier. They gladly, they were waiting in anticipation for him. They were waiting to receive. So you can be here today, and you can listen to something, but there's a difference in listening and hearing and receiving. You know, I always say it this way. It's not who's ever presenting the word of God. Everybody has favorites, right? We have favorite preachers. We have, I have the one that I go to when I need meat. I have another one I go to when I need laughter. I have another one I go to when I need milk, when I haven't been doing what I need to be doing and I can't, I can't do meat. You know, we all have those, right? But you know, it's that same treasure of God that's in the earthen vessel. That treasure is there. So I may not be uh, talking a particular thing that you want, but you can still receive what you need from God because God the Holy Spirit knows what everybody in this place needs. And, you know, I could be talking a completely different thing, and one of these scriptures will just get you right in the heart and say, you know, that is exactly when I need it. And that's what we need to look for, you know, when, we're, when we go to the meetings or we're listening to people. Whatever it is that you need, God has that answer. He's ready and willing to give it to you. It's available to you. So, you know, all you have to do is, is be willing to hear. So these people came... And they were received him, and they were waiting for him. And behold, there came a man named Jairus, and he was the ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to the house. Now, this man, Jairus, he was a ruler of the synagogue, right? And we've talked about this before. But he gave it all to go, didn't he? Who was persecuting Jesus at the time? The rulers of the synagogue. All right? And so there was many that were against him. So here comes this man. Do you not think he took his livelihood in his hands? Everything that he was, everything that he owned, he put it on the line to come to Jesus. Because those that had accepted what Jesus was teaching were kicked out of the synagogue. So here's this man, a high statue, much to give up in the, in the natural realm of things, but he took action. He had heard about Jesus, and he come, and then not only that, he fell at Jesus' feet. What does that say? Lord, I'm giving it to you. You know, I'm surrendering it all to you. And he said, he, for he only had one daughter, 12 years of age, and she was dying. And, and, but as he went, the people thronged him, and a woman having an issue of blood, 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately, immediately, her issue of blood stopped. Now, when we look at this, when Jairus came to Jesus, 
What was Jesus doing? He was ministering to the crowd, wasn't he? So, Jairus, basically, it's like us having a meeting and somebody comes in and says, my daughter's dying, I want you to come right now and lay your hands on her. That would be unheard of for us. We would think that's pretty rude, wouldn't you? I might have even thought it was rude if I was in that. But what did Jesus do? He went. You know, Don't you know? Do you think those people stayed behind? Do you think there was curious people that went with them? I think there was curious people. All you got to do is go on the freeway and watch an accident. These people can't get by because they're so curious as to what's going on. I think he had a whole bunch of people come with him. So Jairus interrupted everything that was going on. We don't see Jesus getting mad about anything. Jairus made a face statement. You come, you lay your hands on my daughter, she'll be healed. If you read the other account, they have a little different version of it and it tells you some more details. So as they were going, and Jesus is going, and this multitude is coming, here comes a woman with the issue of blood. Now notice, Jairus asked for what he wanted. Well, doesn't that seem obvious? But remember when they were at the pool of Bethesda? Remember the man that couldn't get up and do anything? And Jesus asked him what he wanted. Do you, he said, do you want to be whole? Now, what would your response be? Well, yeah, can't you see? I've been here for 38 years. What do you mean? What are you talking about? But he asked that question. Do you want to be whole? And see, Jairus came to him, and he asked for what he wanted. Notice Jesus never chilled him. He never scolded him. He never said, well, you know, are you sure? Now, he was, there was never anything except in the immediate response to his faith. And this man had to have faith to come and do what he did. Now, you think of yourself. You think about hundreds or maybe thousands of people. Do you have the courage to go in that crowd and go stop the master? Do you have courage to go and bow at his feet in front of all those people? Do you have the courage to ask? Do you remember... Uh, um, Bar Jonas. Remember, he was the guy that couldn't see. He wore the cloth of one that couldn't see. And as Jesus came by, he started hollering. There was other. There were other beggars there, and he hollered and he hollered, and they told him, "Shut up! Shh, shh, shut up! Don't do that!" So he hollered long. You know, do we have the courage to go after what God says belongs to us? They didn't even have what we have as a covenant. And yet, you know, and then what did the people do after Jesus called them? They said, oh, come on, the master will see you now. They were buddy-buddy. But in the beginning, they're going to stop you. See, so this man came, and he humbled himself and said, my daughter, he, he did a face statement, my daughter's lying at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her. She will be healed. He made that statement. So now they're going and the whole crowd's going and they're in the direction. What would be, as a parent, what would be going through your mind? Let's hurry up. Let's quit wasting time. She's dying. She, you know. And so they're going. And so you can imagine the fear. And he doesn't know, fear not, only believe yet. And so they're going. Here comes the woman with the issue of blood. And let's see what happens here. She said, and the woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any. That's just a kicker And how many today have spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and nothing better. And they got, you know, 15 different medications that their body's trying to absorb and, and do. And now she came. She made a decision. She came behind him and touched the border of her garment and immediately... Her, her issue of blood stopped. Now, she, in, the, in, the, uh, in Mark, it says she had said within herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Now, do you think that woman had vision? Now, remember, in that day and age, being unclean, she couldn't be out there because anybody she touched was unclean. Do you not think you'd be a little ticked off if somebody touched you? that was unclean, and then you were unclean, so you couldn't be there? 
Not only that, but then you touched other people and they couldn't be there, so they'd be mad at you. I mean, I think about that. And in some cases, they were unclean for days. Some cases, they were unclean till the end of the day, but then they had to offer the sacrifice. And, but it cut them out of everything. Of being, if you went to hear Jesus and somebody touched you and you were unclean, would you not be a little irritated? I think I'd be a little irritated. So here's this woman, Issue of Blood, and she comes and she makes her faith declaration. The only time in the Bible that it says that they immediately knew that they were healed, that she was healed, she immediately knew. And Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? Now, for those people that think that Jesus knew everything all the time, how did he find out who touched him? Do you know? Holy Spirit revealed him, right? Because he looked around. Jesus said, who touched me? He said, when all denied Peter and they that were with him, said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and you say, who touched me? What do you mean? Everybody touched you. Who didn't touch you? And Jesus said, somebody has touched me, for I perceive that virtue or power is gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she was not hid, so he was going to continue to look. Now, I want to show you a couple things here. You know, when Jairus came, he asked him for he wanted, what he wanted, and he expected an answer. Do you expect an answer when you pray and say, Lord, I want to be healed. This is what your word said. God said, put me in remembrance of my word. It's not for his benefit. It's for ours because we feed our faith. We feed our faith. We feed our faith until we get set. He put it all on the line, Jairus did. But you know the enemy had a plan. This woman comes in the middle of everything. It's looking like it's going good, doesn't it? Sometimes in our recovery process, it looks like everything's going really good. It looks like we made it, and we kind of back off a little bit about believing God. And then we get hit with something else from the enemy. We've all been there. We've all done it. And we think, oh, do it to the end. Do it to the end. Never give up on your faith. Never give up on your faith. Never let loose until you have it all. I prayed for somebody, this is years ago when I first got into the healing ministry, and he was in a, in a horrific car accident. They didn't think he was going to make it um, through the night, much less anything else, and there was so many things wrong, and, and he was in ICU, and he was in there in Little Rock. My husband and I went over uh, to pray for him, and, and he was all tubed up. He couldn't respond. Um, he couldn't talk, couldn't do anything. And uh, so we're in that room. Now, I don't know anything about anything. I mean, as little as I know today, I knew nothing about nothing. And all I knew was the word of God was true. And I took my Bible in that room, and I just started reading scriptures. That's all I knew to do. But I knew the power was in the word, not in anything I thought, not in anything I did. It was the power was in the word. And I was just going there representing the hands of Jesus, healing. And so I read the scriptures as much as I knew how to do. That's what we did. And I said, okay, we're going to pray. Now, now, again, no response, nothing. But remember, we're spirit, we have a soul, and we live in our suit. But the spirit man hears no matter if the earth suit is responding or not. So I'm talking to him, and I said, okay, now we're going to pray. Now, when we pray, if you can do anything to be in agreement, do it again you know i didn't even get ha i didn't get the word out of my mouth and here's his eyes that's all he could move was his eyelids and his eyes were blinking back and forth do you know the next day they said well he made it through the night but you know we don't think he's going to make it for the next day he'll, he'll be gone shortly and then a couple of days went by and then you know well if he lives through the week then there's a little hope, but he'll be a vegetable. And then that came and went. And then it was another thing and another thing and another thing. That man is up, walking, talking, doing, driving, all of those things. Now, he has a little residual from that whole thing. Now, we come from not ever going to be, going to be a vegetable, going to be dead, all that kind of stuff, to having a little residual. I asked him one day. I said, um... Don't you want to be completely restored and get it, I mean, get everything back? And the response to me was this, I'm so grateful for what I have. 
So who stopped him or God? Yeah. See, he could have had it all back, but, um, and that's okay. If that's where you want to be, that's okay. Your earth suit is what, you know, there's no condemnation. But God didn't pay for three quarters of it. He paid for it all, for us to have it all. So never let go until you get every last bit back. And then, I'm here to tell you, I want more than that. I want more than every last bit. God said in the scriptures, and none says restore. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I say restore. I want restoration, and then I want retribution. Yeah whatever the enemy stole. And he said, he said in the scriptures, he said that I will restore the years the locust is eaten. I don't know how the heck he does what he does, but I know he did it in my husband's life. I know he did it in my husband's life. He restored years from things that had happened in the past, and we would talk about this. I know not only from the, what the scripture says, if that's all I've ever experienced, I've got it, but I know that I know that I know. So just don't settle for a little bit. Get it all. And so Jairus, you know, I told you that he expected an answer. He put it all on the line. But the enemy had a plan. And his plan is it's destined to get you off track, to get your focus somewhere else, to steal from you. If he can steal the word, he can get your vision. He can get your results. And so the hard and fast thing is stay just stay in the word of God. Refuse to be moved by anything. He will do it with interruptions, distractions, time delays, anxiousness. Have you ever been anxious for something? It's like your brain is going 90 to nothing, and it just won't shut up. It just, I would have that at night sometimes. It just wouldn't shut up. It's like, shut up, you know, just be quiet. So many things going on. Well, you know what? Jesus said, my peace I give, not as the world gives. So you just stop everything. Get the communion elements out and just receive what he's already bought and paid for. He freely gives it, freely receive. There's sometimes a block there with people. It's hard for people to receive sometimes. And it's just something that you do by faith. Um, and then faith killers are fear and doubt. It won't happen you know, sometimes I don't know about you, but I can know about I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not anything special. What do I know that I should get that? Well, I'm a child of the Almighty God. That qualifies me. That qualifies you. We're not disqualified. We're qualified. So remember always that you're qualified. And never let the faith killers uh, creep in there. Now, notice that Jesus never changed. He wasn't impatient. The pressures or the distractions never got him off course. He was never, and do you know what I find just so wonderful is that he handled Jairus' issue, and he handled the woman with the issue of blood. He handled the crowd, all of them, and it was as if they were the only thing that was important at the moment. I think that's an amazing thing. God's such a personal God. And so let's go back to the... Scripture, and it says, When the woman saw that she was not hid, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said unto her, Daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Now we can see in the Scriptures God's no respecter of persons, right? So if her faith made her whole, what will your faith do for you? So, and let's go. He said, why? Um, he said, while he yet spake, there come from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, your daughter's dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him and said, fear not, believe only, and she shall be made whole. Now, notice what happened. They stopped, and now they had to travel to the destination. I want you to put yourself in the position of Jairus, and you just got word that your daughter just died. And through all of this, with the woman of issue of blood, 
you know, she was already, um, um, she, you knew she was already sick unto death. And so here comes a woman with the issue of blood and everything stops. What are you feeling and doing during that time? What's your attitude? And look at what God says. Now, do you remember that she could be stoned for being out in public, unclean, right? And you realize that Jairus is the one that had the ability to order her to be stoned? I always think about what unforgiveness would have cost him. I would have think about what a rash action would have cost him. Or coming against that woman and saying, you have no place here. In, in, in that society, she was not highly esteemed, obviously. She was a nuisance, let's say. And so can you imagine some of the thoughts, whether they were acted upon or not, some of the thoughts that he was thinking just by the conditioning of the time? What are you doing here? You're stopping this whole thing. See, it's all, when you, when you look past it and you see it's all designed of the enemy to get us off track, to make us say something that's contrary to what we want. If you continue to say what you have, you will never get what you're believing for. Because we speak what's really in our heart, or the abundance of our heart, our mouth will speak. So Jesus told them, fear not, only believe, and she shall be made whole. So they had to travel to their destination. So there's still another time delay. So in healing, a lot of times things are working. Jesus was on the way. Things are working. Things are happening. You may not see them, but they're happening. Once upon a time, um, uh, there was this wound, and I thought about it was getting worse and getting worse and getting worse, and one day I thought, you know, all creation has ears. It hears me. And so I got close to that wound with my nose, and I said, now listen, I'm going to talk to you in the name of Jesus, and you hear me, and you are going to heal. You are going to, every necrotic part of you is gone in the name of Jesus. You're going to heal up. And I talk to that wound every day. And they would tell me this will never happen. And I would say, you watch, you see. And a wound that was black, necrotic, all awful, closed up, filled up, did its thing. See, all creation has ears. You speak to your body. You tell that part that doesn't work to work. You tell it it will live and not die. If this says your, your kidneys are operating, you tell it. You Listen, kidney, you're going to live and not die. You're going to do this in the name of Jesus because God sent his word and healed you and delivered you. All creation has ears. Use that power that's in the word of God. Use the word of God and the power therein to change what you see so that the truth is by his stripes you were healed becomes your actual reality. So let's continue with this. And he said, and when he came to the house, he suffered no man to go in, save Peter and James and John and the father and the mother of the maiden and all, maiden, and all wept and uh, bewailed her. But he said, weep not, she's not dead, but sleeps. And they all laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Now, this is a faith stand, isn't it? She's dead. They're laughing him to scorn. If you were there and God said, raise that person from the dead, I mean, can you think of, oh, my goodness, and everybody laughing at you, how'd you respond? Yeah, none of that moved Jesus. Jesus just kept on course. And so for us, what we see in this is that nothing moves us but the word of God. Do what you hear spirit tell you or do what the word of God is telling you to do. Stay on the course and do it that way. And he put them all out. What was he doing? He got out doubt and unbelief, didn't he? Remove yourself. If you cannot remove those things are doubt and unbelief, remove yourself from the circumstances so that what's left is you have your faith being built. If you're in a circumstance where there's a lot of strife and there's a lot of doubt and unbelief, reposition yourself. You will have a harder time receiving anything during that time. You can see that Jesus put out all the unbelief. And if Jesus put it out, what does that say to us? We need to have it out. We need to not tolerate it. It needs to be, it needs to be like a dead rat, dead rat on our doorstep. Get it out. Don't tolerate it. Don't have it. Any thought that goes against what you want, you have a responsibility to take the thought captive and get rid of it. 
Jesus doesn't say, I'll take those thoughts captive for you. He said, you take them captive and get rid of it. And do you remember that thoughts never override thoughts, right? You can't overthink something. But when you speak something, it overrides the thought. It's like a computer. You never erase anything, can you? Because they can find it centuries later on that drive, you know, but you can replace it if you overwrite it. You overwrite it with something else, the first is gone. So your words will override those thoughts. So Jesus never changed. Uh, let me finish this, and we'll go back and uh, finish up the notes. And he put them all out in verse 55. And her spirit came again, and she arose straightway, and he commanded to give her meat. And the parents were astonished, but he charged them that they should tell no man what was done. So we can see here that Jesus never changed. He wasn't impacted by pressure. He wasn't even impacted by doubt and unbelief because he took authority over it and he got rid of it. But he always stayed the course. He kept the main thing the main thing. He was not distracted by things. Um, when they traveled to their destination, there was a void in time from what Jesus said would happen to when he saw and a lot of times that traveling is where we get sidetracked because it looks like nothing's going on. It looks like nothing's happening. But during that time, remember what he told Jairus is fear not, only believe. Fear not, only believe. And so those protecting yourself during that time is a vital time in the word of God. And when the thoughts come, why is it taking so long? Well, how come I don't see any change? Well, I still have pain. You have to ask yourself, who do you believe? Do you believe the word of God or do you believe your circumstances? Do you believe the report or are you taking the word of God to change the report, to change your circumstances? Yes, they say you're going to have to take medicine. So if you have to take medicine, what do you do with the medicine? You put it in your little hand or however you do it or if you inject it, whatever, you talk to it before you take it. You say, listen, I'm telling you, you will do only good and no harm. Body, I'm telling you, you will absorb the good things and you will leave off the bad things. I come against every side effect. So you use your faith and you do and you continue to do and apply the word of God through every step of the process. Well, how do I know when I don't have to take it anymore? Spirit of the Lord will tell you. Your doctor will confirm it. See, all of these things we worry about sometimes that, that have no place in the here and now, they're all designed for the enemy to take your attention off of what the main thing is, to keep the main thing the main thing. So you put out all unbelief. You speak your end results, what you want. Stop speaking what is happening and start speaking truth. You know, for a while there, I would say, Holy Spirit, put a watch on my lips. I'm determined to speak God's covenant promises. You'll be surprised how much vocabulary doesn't come out of your mouth when you do that. It's like, okay, okay. But it trains you to speak the word of God. When everything in your body hurts, that's the time that you tell it what you believe. You know, one time I called my sister up because I was in a bad way. And I said, tell me what I believe. And she said, I'll tell you what we believe. And she, she got those scriptures right back to me. Sometimes it's just a little course correction. Find a friend who will do that for you that you can call and say, just, I need an encouragement. You know, so when you're wavering a little bit, somebody will come alongside you and build you up. Refuse to look at what the enemy has planned for you. Refuse to go that route and stay on God's course. Refuse to give in, cave in, quit. Because you will reap if you faint not. Isn't that a wonderful thing? God always has good for us. Good. And then the final thing is testify. I heard Jesse DePlantis say this years ago. He said he never testifies in the middle of a trial. I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I've testified in the middle of a trial. But normally when I'm testifying in the middle of the trial, it's a sidetrack for me. Things don't typically turn out the way that I had anticipated. I don't know if it's a, it's a cocky thing, it's a pride thing, or I think I have it, yet I haven't reached the final destination. And so you're kind of elusive. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? 
where you think you got it and you're in the middle of it and you're telling everybody how great it is and all of a sudden the devil comes back and slaps you a few times and you think, oh, what happened to me? And it's, you know, and so you think everything's fine, but then you're having to regroup because you didn't get the end. So hold fast to the end. Don't, you know, he said we reap if we think not is the bottom line. So we reap, we reap, and it's good stuff. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a freight train. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. God is so good. His heart is disposed to show favor. He wants us healed. He wants us whole. And he withholds no good thing from us. Isn't that wonderful? Well, glory to God. Well, Father, we just thank you for the word today. We thank you that it's alive. It is alive. It always produces. Father, it has power in it. Thank you, Father. Father, I just thank you for every wonderful thing that you're doing. Great testimonies of healing, and today is no different, Father. Thank you that we leave differently than we came, set free by your power, by your word, by your anointing, Father. We just thank you. We praise you. Mm -mm -mm. Lord, we're just grateful. We're just grateful. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.